The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout, heresy, and entertain. You should start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day, except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth. You're doing that of your own free will. That's what makes this country great and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive. So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe. And your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a wrecking Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. And uh, welcome to the Philosophy of Perennis live classroom and chat room here on the Crusade Channel. King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers on a Wednesday evening, 26 July 2017. Glad, delighted, excited to have you back after a a four-week summer hiatus. We resume our Dahomey classroom and chat room. And our discussion with Brother Andre Marie, who will uh, be joining us shortly here. We'll be covering lecture number 18 in the Dahomey series. And if you're new to the course, you can join the chat room live on my website. It's at mikechurch.com. And in the menu selections at the top of the page, if you click uh, Catholicism, you'll see the second uh, scroll-down menu is Philosophia de Pedenis. Click that. And I'll take you to the Dahomey page. It's the second uh, second item in the list. And you can see the chat room there about halfway down the page. And, and uh, joining the chat room is free. Don't cost nothing. So as soon as Brother Andre gets here, we'll, uh, we'll fire the class up a couple of notes. We will um, <clears throat> continue on with our Dahomey discussion uh, all the way through lesson number 31, which I believe, if I counted correctly, takes us in to October. There may be a few that can be combined at the end of the course. And uh, then we may fire back up Philosophy of Pretendus in its entirety because we have 
106 of the 121 uh, lectures that are needed for that to begin that class. Uh, if you'd like to join the Dahomey and you're joining us late, uh, you're, you're getting in at a good time because lecture number 18 is super. Uh, <clears throat> I listened to it three times today. And lecture number 18 uh, just covers so much uh, fertile ground. I can't wait to hear what Brother Andre's notes on it are. Uh, but he, uh, uh, Brother Francis gets into a lot of um, St. Thomas's view on uh, what his habit is and the beatific vision. Um, and it, it, it's quite a surprise and a pleasant surprise if you're new to the course now, we left off with 17, and at the end of 17, Brother Francis read a, uh, a column that he wrote back in 1946 that was published in From the Rooftops. And uh, in publishing uh, that column and, and in rereading it, uh, we left on a really high note. If you'd like to join the class in session, it's pretty easy to do. You just go to Brother Andre's website, go to Catholicism.org, and uh, or Catholicism.com, and when you're there, if you uh, are browsing around in the store, you're just looking for the lecture series there, and find uh, the one that you want, Philosophia Perennis or Dahomey, whatever the case may be, and you can, um, you you can ask then, send an email to brother, and tell him you'd like the Crusade Channel discount, and he will send you the discount code. And I believe that the discount that they're offering now is 20%. So um, it's substantial. And again, the way this works is you go to the chat room at MikeChurch.com and you kind of log in. And uh, once you're logged in there, you can uh, start asking questions as soon as a brother shows up. He, he always puts the notes for uh, our, our current discussion, uh, Dahomey, up in the chat room. And some of these notes came from... Uh, from Brother Francis, some of them came from Brother Lawrence, and they were compiled after the fact, but uh, they're always there, and they add to what it is that we're going to discuss and uh, uh, going to learn tonight. So again, Brother Andre Maurice is having some trouble with his Skype feed, so we'll get to that as, uh, we'll, get to, we'll get him in as soon as we can. Uh, meanwhile, <clears throat> What I thought I would do while we are waiting is I could uh, I'm going to air some of the uh, the actual audio from this session of the Hominay. So it's a real treat for those of you who do not have the lecture series. Well, then you're about to hear a um, a, a part of it from Brother Francis Malouf. And again, Brother Andre Marie will be joining us in uh, just a moment. So we'll pick up with Brother Francis already um, uh, in progress here. And as soon as Brother Andre gets to the room, we'll begin our discussion. Is the ecstasy we are going to see when we see God something objective that's going to just forever make us infinitely full of joy? Or is our goodwill the important thing that we want? Do you see now the difference between one value and another? Do you think a girl would want to hear her lover say to her, it's my love that makes you beautiful, or <laughs> it's your beauty that makes me love you. <laughs> it links 
a little bit, not a little bit, it links up very much with the very issue for which we fight. Because nothing you say on that height is going to lack consequences on the lower orders. It's precisely what we have been fighting, the people who say dogma doesn't count, it's just goodwill. If the man is sincere, what difference what he believes? We say it makes an awful lot of difference. As a matter of fact, we are certainly not against sincerity. Uh, I have questioned the fact that it is the supreme virtue in some of my articles, but sincerity is a very wonderful thing when you have the truth. <laughs> it's a very poor substitute when you don't. And when it is just an excuse for not seeking the truth, it becomes much worse than a poor substitute. So when you know the truth, then it's wonderful to try to be very sincere in defending it, in proclaiming it. So it is not a minor issue at all, and neither St. Thomas did not think so, nor did the voluntarists who opposed him, Don Scotus and many of his followers later and so on. Now, first, the two faculties in us, will and intellect. Now, to try to understand fully the meaning of this problem and its tremendous implications might be another way of understanding man a little better than we do. What was the supreme inscription that the seven sages of Greece wrote on the Temple of Wisdom? They asked the whole Greek nation to meditate on two very short propositions, very short precepts. And what were they? Made in again, nothing too much. Well, in the natural order, nothing too much. Once you are, once the doors of the supernatural are open, there is no such thing as too much. I mean, that. <laughs> If it, is, if it is loving anything na uh, finite, or you say just in moderation, everything's good in moderation. But like the uh, man said who was asked, would you like a big beer or a small beer? He said, there ain't such a thing as a big beer. <laughs> so when it comes to the love of God, there isn't any such thing as too much. Then you go the limit. But the second injunction that remains true and it was the, the pivot on, of the uh, dialogues of Plato. As a matter of fact, all Greek philosophy grew around it. Gnothisauton, know thyself. Knowledge of self is the very first requirement for true wisdom. And so maybe it would be one way for us to get to know ourselves a little better. One of the big fallacies that hinder the progress of philosophy in our time comes from the fact that whenever they use a noun, they think they are talking about some concrete substance, like, like a, a stone or a tree or a mountain. It has to be just... That's the reason uh, why the first thing that the great philosopher did was to give us scheme of the categories, things fall in different categories. Just that you call it color, red, you make a noun of it. Doesn't mean that you are going to see it running around like a dog. <laughs> it 
falls in the category of quality, and quality is, a, is an accidental reality. It has to inhere in something presupposed, something pre-existing. Now, in the same way, they talk about interactive will. They, they, you think that there are two independent entities dealing with each other, making contracts and so on. Uh, who is going to be first, you or I? Or any, well, it's nothing of that at all. Of course, the, the, the final happiness of man, man is one to start with. They are only our two spiritual faculties. And you can't put any one of them out of that supreme act of ecstasy by which we know God and love him. Once the intellect has seen, it's not a seeing at a distance. It's not even an external seeing. It's a unitive seeing. It's a seeing after you have been taken in into that life. You have become part of it. It's a conscious realization of excellence that has become permanently, eternally, and without danger of ever losing your possession. It's that kind of a seeing. That's what the sight means. Because the sight is the highest form of knowledge. There are all kinds of knowledges that precede sight. I could tell you about a person I like very much, but wait till you see him, wait till you meet him, wait, wait till you start hearing him talk. You could hear about a thing. Now, all our knowledge in this life, even when we have the faith about God, is about God, you see. We know about God. We see his, we see his perfections reflected. But his ref, reflected, we see, we see him, we see things just pointing towards in this large direction. The vision of God, once it is in the intellect, of course the will is flooded with delight. But the point is that the delight is the thing that follows, not the thing that leads. Now that's the point St. Thomas is trying to prove and is insisting on. And it makes an awful lot of difference to your attitude about everything else if you ever get this thing in the wrong order. It looks like a minor point, but it isn't a minor point. Does happiness consist in an act of the will? Since the intellect, he starts giving you the objections. Now, if you can have the patience, you say, well, I am a man of patience, or if you try to exercise yourself in patience, or try to go through these arguments and try to figure them out, you might find that it will do you some good. Well, of course, I don't have the time to go over them now because that will be too much to be doing them. It will take very much longer when we start to do them together. But I will read with you together just one paragraph of this to leave some time for other things I want to do. I took one quotation, and because I don't have the Contra Gentilis in Latin, and our friend Anton Peggis has chosen this part from the Contra Gentilis, but it is also found in the Summa Theologica. And I look, looking for a good sentence, and as you know, I'm teasing you in on Latin. <laughs> I would like it that if you are faithful and stay with us, and but that before you know it, without too much effort, you find that Latin is your language, that at least for the purposes we want it. We want to understand Veni Sancta Spiritus et Emitte Celitus Lucis Tue Radium. When we hear that, we don't want it to be just, just sound. So every time you come near me, <laughs> you are likely to end up with some Latin sentence whizzing in your ears, and 
I try to get you to think about it, meditate it, if possible, copy it, keep it on you. So I just chose one verse, and it was, again, as usual, St. Thomas quoting St. Augustine. I don't know where in the whole world there has ever been a more beautiful relation of master and disciple than the one that existed between St. Thomas and St. Augustine at a distance of many, many, many centuries. I can't remember any article in the Summa that St. Thomas did not quote St. Augustine. Now, the, the way, the impression they give you today was that they were enemies, that they were complete opponents, and that St. Augustine, every time he managed uh, St. Thomas, every time, it's to tell you how wrong he was. I've never seen him once say that he was wrong. He might try to explain what he said or add something of his own or, or in the light of some of the corrections that church has made to some way of stating things. He might, he might contribute something in that regard too. By the way, we would be entitled to do the same to St. Thomas today. We must do it. There are many things that St. Thomas said that have been corrected by the church since his time. Does that mean that we can't learn from St. Thomas? Thousands and thousands and thousands of values that will be absolutely necessary if there is going to be a true Catholic Christian civilization coming back. It ha we have to go to these foundations. So it's a quotation from St. Augustine in St. Thomas. Contemplatio promittitur nobis, axionum omnium finis, atque eterna perfectio gaudiorum. I always have to make a mistake. <laughs> Which proves unquestionably that I am not infallible. <laughs> it was never defined, but... Uh, now, translated, I wish I had uh, more space to translate it for you. That contemplation is promised us as being the goal of all our actions. Boy, this sentence, I, I almost feel like saying goodbye, you'll see me later, just <laughs> retire just to think about what is said in that short sentence. Every one of our activities, if it is truly holy and virtuous, has to be a step towards the attainment of that end, whose name is contemplation. Full contemplation, like full happiness, can only be the beatific vision. But a little foretaste of it can be on this earth. And everything gets meaning by as far as it brings us closer to it. And the everlasting perfection of all our joys, that's where the will comes in, but always in the second place, as a consequence. So that's the tremendous sentence. As Americans say, a mouthful. <laughs> Contemplatio Axionum Omnium Finis, the end of all actions. Okay, so uh, I hear that Brother Andre has now uh, got his Skype up and uh, running and is on the Skype Maker hotline, so I'm going to interrupt Brother Francis here and uh, bring on our sensei, Brother Andre Marie, live from the St. Benedict Center in Rich Richmond, New Hampshire. Better late than, as you Americans say, better late than never. Yeah, hi, Mike. That was a, um, a very stressful uh, 15 minutes or whatever that was, 19 minutes plus. Well, Sorry about that. No, no worries. I, uh, I hope you offered up the stress in reparations for the sins of the rest of the media. 
<laughs> well, I did not have the presence of mind to do exactly that. <laughs> it's okay. I did it for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Brother, uh, I, want, I, I was going to reset the clock here because uh, this, uh, this lecture is, in my humble estimation, is the crown jewel thus far of Dahomene. Uh, so much here. We could probably spend two, se- two, uh, two nights on this anyways. Uh, because there's so much to talk about and, and so uh, people should have questions about it. Uh, I want to start off by just saying, is the principal point here, is Brother uh, brother Francis trying to answer the question, because uh, he, he kind of starts off with the question, but he, he, he's got so much going on here. Is the principal question, is happiness in the intellect? Is that the question that we're asking tonight? Oh. Is that to you, brother? Yeah, I, I, you're going in and out. I don't know if I am, Mike. I'm sorry. No, you sound fine. <clears throat> yeah, uh, brother Joseph told me you were having all kind of uh, phone issues and con- connectivity issues. I said, is the principal issue? Maybe I should put it in the chat room, brother. We're having technical difficulties with. The Skype feed again. So, uh, let me do this. As Americans say, a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Contemplatio promittitur nobis, actionum omnium finis, the end of all action. All actions. Eterna perfectio gaudiorum, the eternal perfection of all joy. Again, if an act of the will were happiness itself, this act would be an act either of desire or love or delight. Can you add anything to that? But these are the acts of the will. What, what, what does the will do? It can do three things. It can desire, it can love, it can delight. But desire cannot possibly be the last end. Can you see that? Desire cannot be the last end. If desire is the last end, well, then all you need is desire. Why? <laughs> desire a million dollars and enjoy the fact that you desire it. <laughs> For desire implies that the will is tending to what it has not yet. And this is contrary to the very notion of the last end. Is that good thinking? Now, you say, well, everybody is bright enough to have thought, thoughts like that. Why don't they do it? <laughs> Can you imagine how different this country would be if every American that has reached the use of reason could take five minutes to think these matters for himself and just come to the conclusion that our actions have to be directed towards the eternal end for which God made us? Can you conceive what a different world this would be immediately in one minute? Now, the fact that it is so simple doesn't mean it is not sublime, because that's the whole genius of how God made our world. That's why the children find it, and the professors at Harvard just don't even know what what the children found. So, So, desire is obviously not it. Nor can love be the last end. For a good is loved not only while it is in our possession, but even when it is not because it is through love that we seek by desire what we have not. And if the love of a thing we possess is more perfect, 
This arises from the fact that we possess the good we love. It's one thing, therefore, to possess the good, which is our end, and another to love it. For love was imperfect before we possessed the end, and perfect after we obtained possession. Now, there's some very, very close reasoning here. Let me give you one other little additional side. I mean, you can't... This is not geometry. I mean, you never say QED at the end. This is great mystery, and you keep seeing more and more into it. Love is our, the spiritual way of giving. Knowledge is the spiritual way of taking. If love were greater in our relation to God, if love were greater than knowledge, then we have more to give God than to receive from him. That's another way of looking at it. That's one of the consequences of voluntarism in opposition to the intellectualism of St. Thomas. Now, in this life, there could be such a thing as loving God beyond our power of knowledge, but because the perfect happiness was not meant for this life. Nor again is delight the last end, for it is possession of the good that causes delight, whether we are conscious of possessing it actually or call to mind our previous possession or hope to possess it in the future. Therefore, delight is not the last end. Therefore, no act of the will can be happiness itself, essentially. Now, he's going to say in the end, and correctly so, that when the good is possessed, when the essence of God is possessed by the intellect, infinite joy floods the will. And that is part, that's, an, that's a necessary part, but a consequence right. of beatitude. St. Thomas even give us somewhere in this. A right, I think we might have Brother Andre Marie back. Brother, are you uh, well connected? Can you hear me now? I'm well, I'm well connected. We had to reboot everything, everything. It happens, brother. It happens. It's called 21st Century Live Broadcasting. Brother? There you go. Sister. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to stop. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to stop uh, brother, uh, brother Francis here. Uh, and that would make number time number four that I listened to this lecture today. So the question that I asked was, is the principal point of tonight's Dahomey lecture number 18 here on the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers, live in the chat room at MikeChurch.com, is the principal point is happiness found in the intellect. That, that, that is the principal point. Okay. The principal point is absolutely that happiness is found not in the will but in the intellect. Okay. So that's what I got out of it, and I think I might have heard that somewhere else before. But this explanation uh, tonight, as um, uh, I'd never heard this phrase before about uh, love being uh, giving and knowledge being taking, and uh, the the um, uh, the kind of the metaphor or the analogy that he made is you could never give more to God because you're mortal than you could give to you. <laughs> that's that's right. I mean, th this actually, uh, this subject cuts to the quick of the distinction between what's popularly called Thomism uh, and other uh, theological schools of thought. Mo uh, most um, probably most most frequently, we think of the Franciscan school. Um, so. I guess I guess we can step back a little bit and look at it in terms of the of the great debate between um, the Aristotelian philosophy and the and, and the earlier Platonic philosophy. 
And um, for, for Plato, um, aside from the question of universals, which is another big deal between the two, two schools and the two philosophers, for, for Plato, there was also the question of the primacy, which took the primacy, the intellect of the will. For Plato, it was the primacy of the will. For Aristotle, it was the primacy to the intellect. And St. Thomas sort of, in a way, uh, I mean, this is obviously a sort of crude way to put it, but he baptized Aristotle. And the idea is that he took the Aristotelian hylomorphic um, uh, outlook, that, 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 that particular metaphysic, and he used that at the service of his theology, whereas a lot of earlier Catholic schools and also contemporary schools with St. Thomas, especially the Franciscans like St. Bonaventure and his disciples, tended to um, stick to the older Platonic uh, models uh, of met metaphysics. And, you know, it, 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 this isn't a question of heresy or anything like that. This is a question of a, a certain uh, metaphysical framework within which to explain the orthodoxy of... Uh-oh, uh the gremlin's back. Brother, is the gremlin back? I believe the gremlin is back, folks. Tonight may not be, uh, boy, this is such a great subject here, too. I'm going to, uh, again, I'm going to throw it back to... St. Thomas even gives somewhere in this a passage, which Brother is... Francis Malouf. I just didn't mark it, but he just says, how is it in the order of money, even, he says. <laughs> I don't know if I, I... don't want to start looking for it now, but you will find it there. He gives a very, very ordinary and homey example of even the things that people consider to be a cause of happiness... And he shows that it is the possession, not the desire. It's the, what corresponds to the intellect, not what corresponds to the will. That's considered to be the attainment of the thing. Well, that's enough for our course. I think if I had given every one of you a copy of Holy Scripture and asked you to sit down and read the 150 Psalms, <coughs> and propose which psalm should be used for Pentecost. And I'm going to jump in here. It's the uh, Philosophy of Peninus live classroom and chat room. That was the principal part of the is happiness found in the intellect part of the Homine number 18. We'll wait to see your brother Andre can work those gremlins out. Meanwhile, since we have the notes, um, uh, we can kind of just review using the uh, Homine notes that, that brother put up in the chat room. Uh, beginning with that beatitude or happiness is the end of everything that man does, even when he is doing it under the cloud of error. Uh, if you have the faith, you can also call it salvation. It's the only true success. One of the early lines in the, the in, in tonight's Dehomine lecture, and I am your, um, I keep the uh, Skype running on time around here. It's Mike Church here from the Mike Church Show uh, every weekday morning, 6 to 11 a.m. right here on the Crusade Channel. Uh, it was the statement that uh, we don't disagree with sentiment, that, sen uh, that, that, that sentiment is wonderful, it's fine, uh, but all the sentiment in the world, if it's sentiment based in error, uh, or sincerity rather, not sentiment, sincerity, if it's sincerity based in, ever, in error, just does not measure up to sincerity when it's based in and backed up by the truth. 
Uh, brother, I think you're you're back. I was just going through the notes, and I was going to try my hand at chalkboard talk tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can take any more of this, Mike. I keep trying to get get us back on, but it's it's uh, it's this is definitely weird. Um, the, the where where I I don't know where I fell off, but um, we were comparing Aristotle and Plato, and the difference between one with the intellect and then one with the will. Okay, so so this question of is happiness in the intellect or is happiness in the will is something that would have been would have cut right to the crux of those issues that I quickly uh, spelled out for the for the for the plate for the for the Franciscan school of theology the primacy is in the will for the Dominican school following Saint Thomas the primacy uh, there's a primacy to the intellect. And uh, we first have to know good before we love it. And even St. Augustine, who is often called a Neoplatonist, he himself said, uh, I cannot love that which I do not know. Right. And, and that is a very, um, if you will, Thomistic kind of statement. In other words, St. Thomas's whole metaphysics and his whole um, uh, 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 psychology would definitely uh, be in agreement with that. Until the intellect knows that there is a good, the will cannot love it. Uh, so that is really the that that really cuts to the to the very quick of the of the differences in the in the schools. And Brother Francis says it's very, it's very, very important because, as you were saying when I when I first when I just got back on, I heard you talking about sincerity. Right. Brother Francis said sincerity is a is a good thing, uh, taken as a reaction of the of the will, taken as something that's in the will. But since he said sincerity, if there's no truth in the intellect, sincerity is a very poor substitute. And if there's no desire in the will to know the truth. Then sincerity is just fake. So it, it can be either inadequate or it can be fake. But since, uh, but it can also be uh, a, a real boon and a real uh, advantage. Sincerity, that is, when uh, it is it is done in the name of the truth. When we have the truth and we're sincere in its profession and adherence and so forth, then that then that all works out well. And this is the uh, Philosophy of Prenentis live classroom and chat room discussing the lectures of Brother Francis Malouf in our series on De Homine, which means about man. And this is lecture number 18. Uh, Brother, kind of uh, would back up the point then when someone says if you're in a theological uh, discussion or discussion about denominations or, or whatever, yeah, but, uh, you know, you shouldn't talk about him or her like that because she's so sincere. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean they can't be an error and they can't be wrong. You can be sincere and wrong. Yeah, and 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 a friend of mine was telling me about some friend of his who who professed a, a uh, non-Christian religion. He said, "Well, you know, he's really sincere." And I said, "Well, you know," that I said, "But he's sincerely wrong." And my friend looked at me and just kind of shrugged. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that that's you know that that is uh, that has to be re reckoned with. There is an objective order. We know we've defined truth as the conformity of the mind to reality. There is such a thing as objective truth, and no one can reasonably uh, contest that notion. And then it's a matter of finding the truth uh, that exists and, and adhering to it. And once we do that, that's where sincerity, and, and even actually 
you know, some people take a long time to find the truth. And they might be sincere in seeking for it. Nobody is going to gainsay that. Certainly I'm not going to gain, Brother Francis wouldn't, gainsay somebody being sincere in the quest of the truth. But of course, the ultimate, um, the ultimate litmus test for sincerity is whether the person ends up adhering to the truth in the end. That's, that's, the, that's the test. That, uh, that's where, as we might say, the rubber meets the road. Um, but so, so just rolling back to where Brother Francis uh, uh, was talking about, the, the, I actually found the passage in the Summa Contra Gentiles that Brother Francis quoted from, Mike, and I thought it'd be good to read, to read that paragraph and kind of explain it as I went. Is okay, that, is that, uh, absolutely. Let's, let, let's do it. Now, is this the one that he said was not in Latin in the book that he had? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And actually, I happen to have right in front of me the book that he had. I don't know that it's the exact same um, physical, you know, uh, numerical book, but it is the, it is the same um, identical book. <laughs> um, so uh, this is um, St. Thomas in the Summa Contra Gentiles. I'm reading, in, you know, from the English Summa Contra Gentiles. Again, if an act of the will were happiness itself... This act would be an act either of desire, of love, or of delight. Now, right. these are the three things that the will does. The intellect knows truth, okay? The will loves the good. Now, it doesn't just love. It also desires, and it also delights. Now, delight is what we might call a rational joy. When you enjoy something in the will, not simply um, a, a delight in the, not, not simply joy in the senses, not simply pleasure. You seek a pleasure in the senses, it feels good. But there's a much higher kind of joy, and we refer to that as delight. Okay, so that exists in the will in man's high uh, in, in in one of man's rational faculties. So, all right, so. Uh, so the will itself, it can only do these three things. It can only love, desire, or delight. But the desire cannot possibly be the last end. And listen to what he said. why he says that. For desire implies that the will is tending to what it has not yet. And this is contrary to the very notion of end. So in other words, we desire, so simply speaking, we love the good. Whether we've got it or not, we love the good. But when the, desire, when, the, when the good that is loved is absent, we desire it. So the idea of, of desire being the end is, a, is an absurdity because desire, as St. Thomas understood it, simply meant uh, that, that, emo, that, that um, um, appetency of the will towards a good that is not present. Uh, the, the end is something that we actually enjoy. We actually grasp it, and it, and it is present to us. So that's why he says that, de that desire is contrary to the character of the end. Uh, nor can love be the last end. For a good is loved not only while it is in our possession, but even when it is not. Mm. Because it is through love that we seek by desire what we have not. Uh, and if the love of a thing we possess is more perfect, this arises from the fact that we possess the good we love. It is one thing, therefore, to possess the good which, we, which is our end, 
but it is another to love it. For love was imperfect before we possessed the end, and perfect after we obtained the possession. So love is not, love is, he's just ruled out love, because love can be either in the possession of the good or not in the possession of the good. Love is the idea that we love it simply considered, whether we've got it or not. Uh, desire is what we have when it's not, the good is not present to us. But now he's going to talk about delight, or what we might call joy. It's the highest kind of joy. Nor again is delight the last end, for it is uh, possession of the good that causes delight. Okay. Whether we are conscious of possessing it actually, or call to mind our previous possession, uh, or hope to possess it in the future, therefore delight is not in the last end. Therefore, no act of the will can be happiness in itself, essentially. Now, how did he just prove that uh, delight is not, is not the end? Because we don't have delight until we have possession so the, uh, of the good. Deli- in other words, delight is an effect of the possession of the good. So, so in this passage, and by the way, he goes on for several pages, and I read it today. It's not easy reading, and this is why Brother Francis only honed in on this one paragraph. He 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 systematically proves that it can't be in the intellect, and he system rather that it can't be in the will, right? And why it is in the intellect, but but to cut to the chase, using that paragraph as our background, the the. Good. Once we possess the good, then we have the delight. So the good that we love, the good that we desire in its absence, and the good that we delight in when we achieve it, that delight is the result of possession. How do you possess it? That's the crux of the matter. And we possess it by knowledge. We possess it by vision, and the vision, for instance, of the beatific vision is, and by the way, this passage is not talking about, this passage is simply talking about happiness. It's not expressly talking about the beatific vision. It's many pages later in the Summa Contra Gentiles that St. Thomas finally gets to the fact that the beatific vision is our ultimate happiness. Mm. Okay, so... So we have to fill in that blank, as it were, here. But this is so important because he begins with talking about happiness as our final end. Only later will he tell us exactly in what happiness consists. And, he's, and that's after he's ruled out, is it money? Is it power? Is it pleasure? Is it you know, worldly fame and, and notoriety and all that stuff? He goes on for pages and pages ruling out these lower things and even even higher things, you know, that you'd think, wow, that's really good, you know, intellectual gifts and so forth. Mm-hmm. But he goes up to the beatific vision is the only thing ultimately that can, that can be our, our our lasting happiness. So the 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 idea is he he rules out delight, he rules out the will because he's ruled out the three fact the three things that the will does as our ultimate happiness. So it can't be love, it can't be uh, desire, and it can't be even delight 
because the delight is a result of possession. And what is the thing possessed? It's the good. And 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 we will find out much later in the Summa Contra Gentiles that that thing is none other than the vision of God as he is in his essence, or as we say, the vision of God face to face, the beatific vision. And and it's a knowledge. But it, but Brother Francis says it's not just a vision, it's not just a knowledge. It's a knowledge that is the most intimate. It's a vision that is that is a participation. You know, St. Paul says that, uh, then will I know even as I am known. It's a, it, it quite literally is a personal relationship. It's a, it's a, it's a direct personal relationship with the, with the personal God, but it's expressed in a vision of the intellect. So we call it a vision, but it, don't, think in term, don't think materialism here. Don't think in terms of eyeballs. Think in terms of the intellect directly with not without any medium of the senses directly intuiting that is to say seeing with the eye of the intellect god himself truth himself and it, that is possession the vision itself in the intellect that is the possession and when we possess god in that way then there is a is a, is an overflow of delight there is an overflow of love we can't talk about an overflow of desire because desire is in the absence of the of the good. And here we have the good present. This is the Philosophy of Perennis Live Classroom and Chat Room. We're discussing uh, Dahomene, lecture number 18 from Brother Francis Malouf, available as a 31-part lecture series at Catholicism.com. Brother, uh, so you say, uh, that, so that's a personal relationship with God, or, or as we hear it in the modern world, that's a personal relationship with Jesus. So yeah. that comes along with a newer car, all my friends being happy, family members loving me, and a much larger house, right? Exactly. That's how you find happiness. <laughs> well, that's what no, the personal relationship is supposed to deliver. Yeah. Well, the, these are all the these are all the things. Of course, uh, uh, my, minus those things that were only recently invented since you know the 13th century. But these are all the things that Saint Thomas is systematically ruling out as the cause of our, of our happiness. Um, so the, 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 you know, for brother Francis, truth is so much, such an important value and it's, and, and there's a primacy, you know, St. Thomas is a Dominican and the Dominican order has as one of its mottos, Veritas, True. uh, same as Harvard university, by the way, and same as of course the Veritas radio network. That's right. So truth for, for St. Thomas, was of of the utmost importance and it's only when you know the truth it's only when you have the truth that you can even know what the good is now the will now now of course l l let me state this and this is something that brother francis would definitely approve of my saying there is uh, and he, he he hinted at it or he alluded to it briefly in tonight's lecture but there is, I think, an exaggeration of this, of the full significance of what it means when you speak about the primacy of the intellect and the primacy of the will. These aren't like two pieces parts of the human intellect. The human intellect is more simple than that. Now, it does have distinct faculties, the intellect and the will. But the way that St. Thomas, for instance, defines the will, he defines it as the appetite of the intellect mm. and think back to those 
that chart that we gave out earlier in this series mm -hmm. and early and, and even earlier when we were doing the full philosophy course when we had the section on um, on psychology we remember we had the 26 powers of man yep and once you got up to the sense uh, sense knowledge and then the passions they broke out into two halves of the same chart. On the left, we had the cognitive faculties, and the, on the right, we had the appetitive faculties. So the senses, now let's pretend for a minute we're talking about dogs. Okay, my dog is laying down in the chair here. Um, so uh, for who on here, my dog, the, uh, he has all the same five senses we've got. And based upon the, the, the cognition that his little doggy brain gets from those five senses, his passions react. So, you know, he, he, he runs, I mean, this, we're, we're in the woods here. He's constantly running after chipmunks and birds and whatever, <laughs> other little, what other little uh, other inferior things in the animal kingdom he, th he wants to dominate. Critters. Uh, squirrels, whatever. But um, uh, this is just his passion. You know, he's, he's, he's in a sense loving it. He's, he's certainly desiring it. Um, and he goes after it. Now, very rarely does he have the joy of actually catching one of these things. But the idea is you've got clearly this, this cognition on the one side, which is seen in his five external senses. And then we also have the internal senses, even in the animal localized in the brain. So that's the cognitive stuff. Then you've got the appetitive stuff. So he sees food and he gets hungry. C classical, you know, Pavlov's dog thing, right? He, he drools when he sees the food. Um, and uh, so on and so forth down the different reactions according to the passions. He might fear something or dread it or hate it, run away from it. All of those 11 passions that we listed carefully and that we went over over and over again um, that's all on the side of appetite. But once you get up into the, into the rational beings like us humans, okay, actually we're it for material beings that are also rational. Um, you get on, you get also on the side of cognition, you have the intellect as our highest cognitive faculty. And then on the other side, on the appetitive side, you get the will, which is the highest of our appetites. So we, we just as we just as we see that the passions or the appetites that are connected to the sense faculties are appetites connected to um, knowledge. So too, when we come up to the level of the intellect in man, we have an appetite that's attached to the intellect, and this is why, and that's called the will. So this is why St. Thomas could easily define the will as the appetite of the intellect or the rational appetite. So it's not as if, so, so let's not, you know, drive a wedge between the two because the will wouldn't be able to function without the intellect. And, with, and, and contrary wise, if, if we didn't have a free will, we wouldn't be rational human beings because that's part of what defines us as man, men. Being rational means not simply the possession of an intellect, but also the possession of a free will and, and, and the exercise of a free will. Now, brother, there, there was a question in the chat room from uh, Joss Will, and I've been commenting on it. And the question was, when you receive the Eucharist, uh, is, that a, um, is that a joy? 
uh, or delight rather. And uh, uh, I answered that, well, it is a good, but that's something that's a good that uh, that's not, um, even though it comes to us in a material form, there's a spiritual, uh, what do they call it? There's a, it it's in the, uh, the species is there in its material form, but there is also a spiritual uh, substance there as well. So that would be credited or that would be a delight in the intellect then, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know how many people think the accidents of that particular bread that we use for the Eucharistic matter tastes good. I mean, we're not talking about material <laughs> delight. I, I, I it didn't come from Panaro Bread Company. Let me tell you, <laughs> we're not talking. We're not talking about a material delight or right. a material joy. But uh, okay, so look, I mean, people can receive. God forbid, they can receive the Eucharist unworthily. Or they could receive the Eucharist uh, inattentively and and just sort of humdrumily, if that's even a word. Humdrumily, I like um, it. They they can receive it, in other words, as a matter of routine. And Pope St. Pius X actually said, when he was encouraging frequent communion, he actually said, we should not receive it merely as a matter of routine. We should receive it in order to glorify our Lord and in order to grow in holiness. And so, I mean, he gave... He gave some requisites, or uh, rather one of the Roman curial offices under his authority gave these requisites, and he signed off on it. When he was, when he was endorsing and recommending um, holy, uh, frequent Holy Communion. Um, so, it, you know, when you receive Holy Communion, yes, the sacrament works ex opere operato, as all sacraments do. In other words, it, it has the radical power to achieve its effect. But if we give no attention to it, then we're, we're going to benefit from it only very minimally. So we have to, as it were, bring ourselves up to it. Now, nobody's, nobody's truly worthy to be brought up to the level of, of, of receiving Christ because nobody is worthy of Christ, really. Okay. <laughs> but if we are in, in a state of grace, um, then he comes to us as a, gratu as a gratuitous grace, as a free gift, and if we are attentive to it with our intellects, then our will can truly delight in this. And, and then we can say, I mean, St. Louis de Montfort says someplace, he recommends reciting the Magnificat when you've received communion. And when you think of the first couple of words, my soul doth magnify the Lord, my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Right. Now, if you take that word Savior and you sort of translate it back into, into uh, Hebrew, you get the holy name of Jesus. You get uh, uh, Yeshu in, in Hebrew, and again, we anglicize that as, or through Greek as Jesus. So I, uh, my soul rejoices in God, my Jesus. And um, that is an act of the will. So it's not just going to be like, okay, I just took a big, delicious bite of lasagna, and my senses can't help but like it, right? That's a very low-level thing. That's, that's, that's not something you exactly have to rise up to. I mean, unless you're, unless you're like a, a dietary Philistine and you don't enjoy good lasagna. But the, uh, on, the, on the level of spiritual goods, we have to have a lot of knowledge in the intellect a lot of, and we also have to have faith, and then we have to have a faith that works by charity, and we have to really relish this thing. And when we do relish it, we can truly delight in spiritual goods. And that, by the way, that delighting in spiritual goods, of course, 
is not compatible with a bad will. It's not, it's not compatible with a life that's fixated on sin. And by the way, I'll be the first person to accuse myself. I'm a sinner. I, ha- I go to confession. I, I, I'm constantly doing things and I say, oh, should have done that, should have done that, should have done that. Uh, yet I go to communion. Okay, so uh, I'm not talking about mortal sins here, and th- there's no place to examine each other's consciousness or anything. But the the idea clearly is, if you're if you're living a life of habitual mortal sin and you're not interested in even getting out of it, that's bad will, and you're that's incompatible with delight in a spiritual sense. And so, I mean, the saints. It's all over Scripture. It's all over Saint Paul, and it's certainly all over the Father of the Church, brother. Um, it's incompatible to delight in both base desires and in um, holy uh, spiritual things. Brother, we're going to have to pick this up next week. Uh, let's just make a plan to, to begin with the continuation of eighteen, because we got about ten seconds left to uh, get the homine uh, out and reconquest on. Uh, Brother, I'm glad you're able to make it. It's Mike Church signing off. We'll see you tomorrow.